Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Wasp Report. We're back, and as usual, we're on our slightly extended timeline for the time being. You never know, season might heat up and we might go back to doing them every couple of weeks. Or the season could go rubbish and, uh, you know, we might just put out a show once every six months. Um, not that we're not that we're front runners or anything on this show, not at all. Um, but you're, you guys will uh, absolutely be happy to hear that today is our famous predictions and preview episode. Yes, it's the one where Alex makes a fucking twat of himself. Joining me as ever, my partner in crime, Mr. Rob Sutton. Rob, how are you doing? It has become a bit of a legend, doesn't it, this episode? Oh, and really, ever since on our pretty much our very first show, you, you called Bath to get relegated couple of few seasons back yeah i mean if anyone i don't know why they would but if anyone joining now listens back from the start don't they the quality the quality was horrendous please don't uh that but that was a peach of a uh of a prediction although in fairness i think that might have been was that the season i had newcastle go down they finished fourth we had that one as well yeah 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 yeah. i think like i said leicester would be in trouble and they were in trouble. Yeah. You know, so we, we've we've got things almost right a couple of times. Um, but yes, we will basically run through a, a season preview with under the guise of making predictions about what's to come over the next few months. No World Cup predictions. We've already done them. We're not even really going to talk about the World Cup all that much because, quite frankly, the good games start this weekend, don't they? You know... England haven't played anyone yet, and we don't really care about Wales, Scotland, and definitely not Ireland. So, um, yeah, you know. it, it, the, 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 I feel the tournament needs a good weekend here. Um, we, we, we haven't had too many standout games, bar Japan, Scotland on Sunday, um, and Japan, Ireland. Basically, whenever Japan play, it's worth watching. Yeah, Australia, Wales was a good game, in fairness. Um, but other than that, Typhoon didn't help matters. Um, but I just feel for the, for the tournament as a whole, we need some really good close quarterfinals, and I, th- I think we'll get them. I mean, watching watching Wales and Australia is like watching two people you don't like have a fight. It is a bit. Isn't it? <laughs> you you kind of want them to just beat each other up and hope they both lose, but you know that can't happen in a in a game of rugby. So, well, the beat the beating <laughs> up could be, part, a, could be a draw. Yeah, very true. Very true. Anyway, on to matters that actually matter. And um, the Gallagher Premiership got it right. Hey, it's only taken me a whole season to uh, to get it right. Um, and I'm going to start in a bit of a weird place. We're going to start at the bottom. Um, because whilst we've never actually actively talked about Wasps being in a relegation battle on this episode... Uh, after last year, we probably should mention it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, if it goes wrong, there, there's, there's every potential Wasps could be dragged into it, but I don't think they're alone in that matter. There's, there's, an, there's an enormous cluster of teams in that middle, Bristol, Leicester, Bath, maybe even Northampton, who could well be dragged into proceedings at the bottom of the table. I think really, at this stage, you've got to feel it's going to be contested between Irish and Worcester. Yeah, I mean... I do feel like every year we come on here and say Worcester are going to go down and they do just enough to stay up. But they do it in like the first month of the season and their supporters yeah. their supporters get on my back and say, oh, you said we were going to go down, we're third in the table. And I'll just sort of reply back and say, what the fuck are you going to finish? Well, you finish <laughs> every year in 11th. Like, I kind of want them to go down. And if they go down, we haven't got to play that stupid freaking rivalry game against them in the Premiership <laughs> Cup. Yeah, that would be one thing that would help. Um, to the, go- the thing is, I actually think they will this year. That they they have they have lost some pretty key players. Josh Adams is lighting it up over in Japan at the moment, and he scored an awful lot of tries for them. And Bryce Heem has gone as well. Um, I just don't. I don't think they'll score enough tries, and that that was Newcastle's downfall last season. Yeah, I mean uh, they brought in Mulaney Nanai, who's a quality quality operator. But we've seen that first year transition from Super Rugby up to playing in the Gallagher Premiership isn't easy. 
there are very there are very few players who make a real impact in year one, and you know Charles did it for us, but Charles Pietau is a quality above Melania Nanai as a player, and I watch I've watched a lot of them play. I watch a lot of Super Rugby. I love it. I really do, and I just I can't see Nanai making that step early. And I can't see him making an impact over enough of the season to keep Worcester up. So Worcester fans, you can thank me in about nine months' time when you stay up and Nanai has one player of the year. <laughs> I, he could be a great signing for them. If it all goes right and he and he adapts quickly and they play a style of game that suits him, he's going to be dynamite for them because he does some fantastic things with the ball in hand. I, I, I would be a little concerned about London Irish just because they have thrown a lot of money at it, and that doesn't always work. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at teams who have stayed up, and they often stay up because they've kept a core group of young players together from the championship the year before, who have grown and taken on the Premiership. And I'm not sure. I think I think uh, Irish can do that because they've got. They've got some good young players in that team. They've brought in some really, really good experience to put to play around them. Guys, guys like Sakopi Kepu, Sean O'Brien, uh, Waisaki Naholo, they're they're stars, or they've at least been stars. Steve Maffey has got Premiership experience. Nick Phipps is a quality player at nine. He's a really good operator. Will push them around the field. You've got Stephen Myler, who's there already. He's a guy who knows the Premiership inside out. And I think he could be the key to them staying up. He really could. You know, he's, he's a smart mind. He'll dictate the game. He'll move them about the pitch. I think he could have a, almost a Jimmy Gopeth-like season for them, where he's just that court, that linchpin in the middle of the park who moves them about the pitch, gets them to play in the right areas, gets them enough points on the board to win games, you know, with him at 10, they might struggle if they come up against a, a Premiership team playing on the top of their game. But Milo isn't going to be the reason they lose games if they lose them. They're going to lose them with him in the side because the opposition is just better than them. And if you can get him to play with enough pace to get guys like Naholo into the game, guys like Adam Coleman into the game, guys like Ruan Botta into the game these new signings they've made will benefit from having a, an operator like Milo. And I think I think they can stay up because of that. I think it's a massive season for them. They've, they've obviously got the stadium move at the end of it and they'll be absolutely desperate to get to Brentford in the Premiership. I think they'll stay up. Um, I think they'll do enough. And as I said, I think Worcester will go. But uh, they, they should take heart from what Bristol did. Bristol kept a core of players, as you mentioned, and then added some stardust. Yeah, 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 and I think it's a good... Bristol have, have put a really good uh, plan out there for teams how to come up and stay up. And that level of investment into the English game is really good because if teams rotate and you get a group of maybe five or six premiership teams who spend some time in the championship, use it to blood their youngsters, then when they come up, invest heavily but not too heavily that it's unsustainable stay up and you rotate those teams round every every sort of maybe five or six years you might have to spend a spell in the championship but it's almost like a reloading season where you can give all your youngsters enough game time to really push through and you see the Harlequins did it when when Harlequins went down they went that route they blooded all those youngsters and eventually they won a premiership title because of it Saints did it as well Saints have done it you know Saracens, they didn't go down, but they spent enough time in that bottom third of the table that they they saw they needed to go a new route. That's going to bring me on to to Wasps. I think now's a good time to talk about where we think Wasps will finish in the table. And personally, I see this young group of English and players who've come through the academy who are dangerous with ball in hand, who are really sort of shifting earth and, and pulling up trees, that could be a group that pushes Wasps to a title in the future. I don't think it will be this year. 
I think the goal for this year is to do better than last year to get in the Champions Cup and challenge for the playoff spots. I think if they can do that, that's got to be the floor for this season. And they've got to then look at pushing into that top four as the as the real achievable goal that they set themselves. Because once you're in that top four, you've got a chance. I know conventional history doesn't dictate that. It dictates that you really you have to be one of the best two teams to get to the final. But in a World Cup year when players will be tired, big international players have played a lot of rugby, only two of those or three of those are in the Wasp squad for this year. There's not that many World Cup players in Wasp squad for this year and only one, I think, that's going to reach the knockout stages. So, and, it, and Joe's not really playing for England. So all of those factors combined, Wasp needs to get a fast start and hope that they can rotate, rest enough guys, so that when it comes to the end of the season, even if you are in fourth place or third place, you've got a chance because everyone's fit enough to go into a, a Saracens or an Exeter or an, a Bath and Northampton or a Bristol or any of these teams you could finish top two and win and get to that final and then is anyone's game on that day. Yeah, I think I, I get the feeling the top four might might be a bridge too far this year, especially if Wasps are impacted by injuries as they have been in the last couple of years. Um, but I think top six is realistic. I also think a decent run in the Challenge Cup is realistic. Um, although, although it's a difficult group, you have to say Edinburgh and Bordeaux will be sides who will also think they can win it. But yeah, I think I, I still think despite a World Cup year that, that, that Saracens and Exeter will probably be the top two. I think it, it, it feels too big a gap for any side to bridge from where it was last year. I think Sale could have a great season. Um, and I've, I've, got a, I've got a sneaky suspicion that uh, the Gloucester might not do as well as they did last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. There's so many stories that come out around Gloucester and I, I just you just can't it's it is hard to tell how they're gonna do over the course of the year. They might get found out a little bit. Um you know, teams there's gonna be a lot of film on how to play against them and, and Danny this year. And it didn't it was the same at Wasps, it was electric the first year, it was good the second year, but there was a dip. And there are other factors. I'm not trying to put it all on Cipriani before his legions of fans come out and <laughs> savage me. I'm not, put, I'm not putting it all on him because it wasn't all on him. But there, there are other like teams will have seen a lot of film there. They understood how Wasps attacked and Wasps didn't change enough of it. If Gloucester go that same route and they don't change their patterns enough, teams will find them out and they'll shut them down. So if it isn't going to be Wasps who are the surprise package this year, which team do you think could be the surprise package to really make a run at the top four and, and maybe even a title? Well, I've already mentioned Sale, but I don't think that, that would classify as a surprise because I think a lot of people think they're going to do well with their South African contingent. But I do think, I do think they'll do well. My surprise package is Bristol. I think um, Pat Lamb was very bullish about his chances... Of you know of go of getting the top six in their first season, they didn't do that, uh, but but I, I think they'll have a, a really good stab at top six and maybe even more. And I think they are one to watch in the Challenge Cup as well. Mm, I like that. I was I was thinking I was going to pick Bristol, and um, because I love their new signings, I love the team, I love the ethos, I love the way they play. I just think they're a little bit short at ten. Yeah, that that's that's the one area of concern. And I think that they're probably a 10 away from being really scary. You know, they've looked, they've got some, they've got some okay 10s in there, but they're just not quite at the level that you need to really make a a run at the top four. For me, a team that has that level of fly half, who I'm really worried about making this pick for I think Leicester Tigers are going to do better than everyone thinks yeah I agree George Ford is playing he's in the form of his career at the minute he's playing so well for England the last few months and I think 
he could come back into the Premiership and if he plays with that same tempo and uh, creative ability with but also includes the control of the kicking game that he's had with England, I think he could be a real asset. If Manu Alangi stays healthy, he's going to be excellent for Leicester. You know, he's a big, big player for, for them to have in. They've recruited really, really well. You know, I, th- I think that um, Tafua from the Crusaders could be an incredible sign-in. Lavanini from, the Jag- uh, from uh, Los Aguares, he could be excellent. He, he's a really, really good player. Didn't light it up with the, um, the academy in quite the same way. Uh, sorry, with the Argentinians at the, um, at the World Cup. Quite how, you know... People would have would have liked and would have thought they've got great players coming through their academy. Sam Aspen and Robinson played a bit last year. He's really talented. He joined from Quinns a couple of years ago. Jordan Oluwafela is another one. They're both a little bit lightweight, maybe for men's rugby at the minute, but they've got pace to burn and really good finishing ability. And I think that they could make an impact for Le- for Leicester this year. I just think that for too long this team hasn't done well enough and it's going to get to the point where they will just round into form and they will do well and they'll challenge for the top four just because it's Leicester there's too much quality at that club and involved at that club for them to not have some sort of backlash from the all the stuff that's been written and said about them you know I, I can't see them the players taking that line down yeah, it'll only take a couple of wins. At this. If they get off to a good start, and I've noticed they've got they've got a few of the bigger clubs, Saracens and Gloucester at home early on. If they can get a big win against one of those, all of a sudden Welford Road gets full again every week. It's a tough place to go again. You know, the, the crowd get on the on your back and everything. And I, I I agree. I don't think I don't think they're in the relegation danger that a lot of people think they are. As you. Alluded to there, Ford is playing some brilliant stuff, but Noel Reed is a very good signing, I think, from Leinster. Yeah, yeah, another another very good signing. And there was a little something posted after this rivalry weekend by Northampton Saints, because obviously Saints went to Welford Road and won in the Premiership Rugby Cup. And that it was something along the lines of business as usual, or we could get used to this, or th- something. And it just hit me that the way Leicester respond to stuff like that is going to define their season if they come out, if they see something like that and there's a reaction in that squad that says they don't fucking come into our house and do that no one no one comes into Welford Road and, and is able to say stuff like that and they make that ground a fortress again like it used to be then that's a scary prospect because yeah, I think it's I, th- I think it's I think Saints have won something like five 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 in a row now against them. It's it's at least three in a row at Welford Road. Yeah, and I think they've won the two at Franklin's Gardens as well. So I think something is five or six. So that they're definitely that's definitely a score that they will want to settle. And uh, I've been speaking a bit about European, and I just wonder if Leicester, Leicester might sort of been off the Challenge Cup and use it to blood those players you've been mentioning, like Oliver Feller. Um, who I think is a real talent, and I've seen a I've seen a fair bit of him sort of since he's come into the Tigers' first team, and I, I think I think he's he, he's a he's a real talent. Yeah, I I agree, I agree. Now talking about real talents, we're gonna do a little bit on Wasps and a little bit on other clubs at the same time. We're gonna talk about breakout players and players that we expect to become household names by the end of the season. Let's start in black and gold. Who do you think is going to have like a breakout year and, and be viewed much in, in a much with much higher regard than they are right now? Um, I actually think it is going to be a new Wasps player, uh, and that is Zach Kibarigi, who uh, I think could be a, a really good pickup for Wasps. He's obviously he's shown for Newcastle that he can score tries but he's never sort of been given the recognition I think he deserved in that Newcastle team because he's been up against Sinotti, Nicky Gonover uh, and others um, and I like what I've seen from him so far I haven't seen a huge amount of the cup games but you know I, I, I think 
I think he's. I think he could be a, a cracking player. And if I could throw a second one out there, when he's fit, I think Will Porter as well. Yeah, I like Will Porter. I think with Ben Velikot's injury, it's really opened up an option for Porter to to cement a real spot in that Wasp squad. You know, it's going to be on Porter to take over, especially during the Six Nations. If Dan Robson gets called up, you're going to be down to Porter and Wollstoneholm as your two scrum halves. And I really like what I've seen from Wollstoneholm these last few weeks. I think he's played fantastically, but I think Porter's a real talent there. And Wasps could end up having three really good scrum halves when Ben Velikot comes back from his injury. If Dan is fit and firing, Porter's fit and firing. Wollstoneholm looks like a good... Uh, little academy player as well who plays in their style unlike Craig Hampson who was the sort of third choice third fourth choice a couple of years for the last couple of years who didn't quite play the same style that Dan and Joe Simpson played I think now you've got four scrum halves there who are all comfortable playing in the same way and that is that's really important for this Wasp squad because we've seen it before. We Wasps go off the boil when Dan Robson's not playing. But if you can recreate what Dan does, it's not going to be to the same level because Dan Robson's a quality player who deserves to be getting international caps. But if you can recreate his style so that there's not too much drop-off, then Wasps are going to be able to lead with that scrum half figure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think that so Wolstenholm has been very impressive, particularly the game that was on... BT against Northampton, the cup game. I thought he was brilliant in that match, and a real, uh, a real good pickup and a find for Wasps. Yeah, which we seem to be fantastic at doing. So my my breakout player for Wasps is possibly cheating a little bit when I say this one, but I think the way we view him as a player is going to be completely different at the end of the year to how it is now at the start of the year, and that's Lima Sopwanga. What I've read and heard from people I really trust that went to the game last weekend, Lima came on and changed that game. He turned it completely on his head, and and when he was on the field, Wasps were an an incredible attacking force. Yes, it's only half an hour or so against an a, a, a tiring Worcester defence and a, a tiring Worcester team who Wasps would put a lot of pressure on in the opening parts of that game. But over the last few months, Lima's come out and he said how he wants to have fun playing the game. How he's going to enjoy it with his friends. He's, he's more relaxed, he's more settled in England now. Yeah, you listen to the stuff he does off the pitch and um, on Instagram and on his podcast. and he, he sounds relaxed, he sounds at home here now. He sounds settled. And that should strike a shit ton of fear into the other teams. Because when he's on... Lima Sopwanga is the best 10 in England in the Premiership. If he can recreate that form from his time in Super Rugby up here, then this Wasp attack could be dynamite. It could be absolutely dynamite. And I've seen, we've seen from the highlights of that Worcester game, there was only a couple of minutes and really only a couple of clips of what Sopwanga can do. But when he fed, I think he fed Marcus Watson for the try, and Watson, it was the, the cutout pass. He took two men out of a lovely fizzed flat ball. And Watson just waltzed in to the uh, to score under the sticks. It was a fabulous pass. It's the kind of pass that, to quote a Rob tweet from a couple of weeks ago, if Cipriani had thrown it, they'd make a fucking movie about it. <laughs> right? It was it was awesome, and yeah, I was. think he could he could be a real real difference maker. We could start to see some of the real quality that he has. We saw it at times last season, but it wasn't quite consistent enough. It didn't fit. So, something wasn't right with the whole team. Something was off, and if he can play that free with that freedom, oh, it could be so, so good to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he does well, because he seems to, he's, he's coming across this season, certainly, as, as a terrific bloke. And um, Yeah, it Certainly everybody who was at the game on Saturday said the game was sort of meandering along until he came on, really. Which um, is, that's what you expect to see from someone like Sopoanga in a Premiership Rugby Cup game. And I know both teams had starters dotted around the pitch and it wasn't it wasn't a full Premiership game, though. You expect to come in and see him look like the best player on the field when he comes on in that situation. Yeah. And he did, and that should excite Wasps fans. 
So we've said we've talked about our wasps breakout players. Let's talk about the rest of the league. Is there is there someone that really catches your eye as a potential sort of breakout star this year? There were there were a few actually. You already mentioned Oliver Fair, who I, who I was gonna who I was gonna mention. Joel, Cap- I think it's Kapeku, is it from Kapoku, Saracens? Like Kapoku, yeah, him from Saracens. He's second rower. Um, obviously, a Tosian cruiserweight at the World Cup. He's going to start against Northampton, I would imagine, on Saturday. Uh, he is very much. I feel the same about him when I when I first saw Itoji, having seen Saracens play in this cup competition. I think he's another one off their production line, and I think he's going to have a big season. Already calling the line out at nineteen. Mm, yeah, he's he could be real real quality. And coming out of that academy, you just know he's going to be able to make ground with ball in hand. He's going to get him over the game line. He's going to be a tackling machine. You know, he's that that type of player is what Saracens produce, and they're they're bloody good at it. They really are. For me, I'm going to pick a famous surname, not just because I'm lazy, but because I really like the way <laughs> this lad plays, and that's James Grayson at Northampton Saints. I think he could come on late in games after Dan Bigger's done and make a real impact and get Saints playing at a pace that they they wouldn't they won't play at with Bigger starting at 10. You know, James Grayson, is he's different to his old man. You know, he he can kick as well. He can he's as comfortable managing a game, but he's got that bit of turn of pace. He's comfortable taking the ball into contact that Paul wasn't quite as good at. And the way he plays with that ball in hand sometimes in the Premiership Rugby Cup, so against Wasps, he tore us apart at times. He made some really really smart plays, and I think he could have a kind of impact that has people mentioning him as an outside shot to play for England in the Six Nations. You know, if things are reset and there is a hard reset with a new coach in the Six Nations, he's an outside chance to to get involved and be involved. Four years' time, I think he's definitely there in France playing for England at the World Cup. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he was involved at that point. Okay, so we've we've said breakout players. I want to talk about best new signings now. Um, we'll start off with the Premiership. And then we'll move on. We'll do Wasps afterwards, uh, I think. I'm almost certain that Wasp, the Wasp signing is possibly going to be the same player for both of us. So, you know, there, there's one name that really stands out from Wasp signings. And, you know, we'll, uh, oh, I'm going to talk about him. We'll get on to him in a minute. Um, Rob, who do you think is going to be the, uh, the, the best signing across the league, excluding Wasps, obviously? Excluding... Excluding wasps, um, it, it's it's an obvious choice, but I think he will light up the league, and and I'm I've been looking forward to seeing him in the league for quite a number of years, and that is Stuart Hogg going to Exeter. Um, yeah, we all we all know what he can do. Um, teams like kicking back to Exeter at Sandy Park, and I think it will run it back with glee. Yeah, yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Um, he's a quality player. He's a real real quality player. I love watching him play rugby. I'm gutted that he went to Exeter and not to Wasps because there's, I've said it for years, if there's one player I would have had in Wasps side, it's Stuart Hogg. I love the way he plays rugby. I think he could be incredible for Exeter. He's a he's a real nuggety player. He'll fit in well down there. You know, he doesn't take a step back. Great with ball in hand. Great tackler. Good kicking game. He has a penchant to not show up in big games. Yeah, I think you saw that a bit on Sunday. Um, but I think he'll he will at this level, at league level, he'll light it up and he'll be a real danger to play against. Uh, my one is is an into sort of into league transfer. Um, you know, this this lad obviously Newcastle went down. They lost Veroniki Gonover to Harlequins, and I think Gonover could be. An awesome signing for Quinns. I just the times in the past where they've really taken Wasps apart with their fast wingers. I think they could do it again with Gonover. Quinns are going to want to play an open style. They've always played quite an open style of game, and I really like them to have a big season. I really like Gonover to have a big season for Harlequins on the wing. I think they can play with pace. They can get the ball into his hands in some space. And if they do that, he'll score tries for days. 
He's done it up at Newcastle with a much lesser supporting cast than he has at Quinn's. I think they're a sneaky shot at getting in the top six. I just I really like what they're building there, and they they're a very young side, very fast side, and I think there'll be a handful, and I think Gonover will be one of the real reasons why. It's, it, it feels a project there at Quinns, doesn't it? it, it uh, this isn't a, you know a, a, an instant success. That's not why Gustard left in and set up to go there. He wants to build a team that in five years' time is up there, as Saracens are at the moment, dominating. Yeah, And um, he's got a lot of tools, because Marcus Smith seems to, is, is coming on leaps and bounds each season. You've got Marchant in the centres as well, Nathan Earl on the wing. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone like Marcus Smith is so young that they've got time. They can be afforded time to build. They're not going to go down. They've got too much quality. So you might as well pack it out with young young players, get them some ageing stars like a Gonover to learn from. And Gonover can also do a bit of magic, you know, while he's on the pitch. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean he's going to get pull a rabbit out of a hat. I mean, he's going to pull a try out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I love it. I love him. I think he's a great player, and I think he's a really good signing for Quinns. He he would be a very nice bet for a top try scorer. So I bet he's a decent price because people are sort people are sort of forgotten about him. Um, I, I actually think Quinns could be an outside bet for the top four. Um, they 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 were the, they were the width of the crossbar at the Rico away from being in the top four last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're a good they're a good side, and I think you know they they will definitely be up there. They've they've got a good sort of group of young youngsters coming through. There they could be a, a an outside sort of shot to be the that shock team who who get in and really cause people some problems. Now on to our favourite subject of wasps, and um, which signing for wasps do you think is going to make the most uh, the most or the biggest impact? I don't think I've gone for the one you thought I was going to. I've gone for Minozzi. Yeah, see, it was one of two, really. And yeah. I think I I like Minozzi, and I'll let you get onto your uh, your explanation of why you chose him. Well, if he can produce the form that he had for Italy in the Six Nations two years ago, when he made the team at the tournament, in a team that shipped, I think, 40 points in all its matches then Wasps have got something very special. He, he's he's also solid in defence reasonably. Certainly for our standards, he's very solid in defence. Um, he's, <laughs> he's not going to just let a, let a runner step round him or no. you know, wave no. his arms at him a little bit to yeah, make it look through. a little bit like he's uh, he's trying to make a tackle. Charles, yeah. Billy, Billy, we loved you. We really didn't, but... The bit I was impressed with though, when I saw him in the World Cup, I think he's got a very good kicking game. And he offers Wasps that dimension that they are losing with Daly going. I mean, I thought he was i thought he was Italy's best player in the World Cup. I'd yeah. go that far. He was dangerous all the time. He was scoring tries from all over the pitch. As you say, he's got a good kicking game. He's a good footballer. He's a good tackler. Puts himself about. You know, he could have the same impact and become the same sort of cult hero that uh, Andrea Mazzi became when he signed for Wasps. Yeah. You know, we love an Italian player <laughs> here, especially if they're like Festa and they've got a restaurant that they uh, invite all the fans <laughs> to when you go away. That that always helps. But, you know, I, I think he could be excellent. I really do. I, I really like that, that pick. He could be an impact type player. And with Marcus Watson in the form that he's in, Josh Bassett being as potent as he is, if you've got back three of Bassett, Watson and Minozzi, you know, with the, the option to go with someone like Kibarigi or Dogwu as well, that that's awesome. That's an awesome back three group that you've got there with the abilities in that group to make a real impact on, on the game. Slightly inside the back three uh, is where I'm going to go with mine. I'm going to choose the obvious name in, in Malachi Fekatoa. What a player. What a real classy player. I've seen him play live a couple of times and the way he bosses the team from 13, it's an excellent thing to watch. It really is. He can play 12 or 13. He's that real bit of stardust 
in the middle of the park that you get from from an all black he can he can do it all he can kick he's got a decent kicking game it's not obviously it's not his main strength can pass bring players in off either hand create space get the offload away he's also got a great turn of speed and break in the line he can carry strong into contact and make ground he's great in defense makes his tackles really puts himself about he's he is a complete 13 and I think that is something that we've really, really missed the last few years. You know, Elliot Daly's a fantastic player when he can find some space, but his one move to find space, going on that big arcing run that he does from the 13 channel, was found out years ago. And yeah. without other threats to take away from him last year, he was really, really quiet for Wasps. And I think... You know, when Wasps were at their best, they had options all over the field of players that can really sort of attack space and have to how you have to set a defender on. And this year, Wasps were kind of getting back to that with with the back three that I've already mentioned. You throw in Sopawanga, Dan Robson at nine, Fekatar at thirteen. If you could get that team out with someone filling in at twelve, could be Gopeth when he's back fit. Yeah, it could be Le Bourgeois, it could be any number of people. That's a quality outfit. Juan de Jong could come in and play 12. He's, I think he's great at 12. I, I really like it when he plays there. You know, he brings players into the game. He can. He's another one who can take contact. Good all-round player, good footballer. You know, has that ability. And I think that ability to play two all-round centres could be massive for Wasps this year. It really could. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, yeah, you sign you, you sign someone like Fakatoa, definitely something to get excited about, and uh, seemed a solid first outing for him on uh, on Saturday against Worcester. And uh, I'm really I'm really looking forward to, uh, to to seeing him on Sunday against Irish. Yeah, and I mean he's another one. It could take him a couple of months to adapt. Yeah, and I'd expect it to take him a couple of months to adapt. But he has been playing in Europe with Toulon. And yeah, we've seen that, those... That's an advantage. Yeah, the players signed from French clubs before come in and they take to English rugby a lot easier than the guys that come straight from the Southern Hemisphere. Whew, Jesus. Right, next one. This is... Although, you know, like a lot of the time, a lot of our episodes are quite off the cuff, as you know, because I go into stories like this in just in the middle of episodes... Where this one is a little bit more structured, because I actually have the list of categories written <laughs> out in front of me. Oh, it's, She's it's, unlike us. It's really tiring doing it this way. <laughs> I actually feel like pay attention to stuff rather than just speaking. It's, oh, yeah. Um, right, next one up. Player of the year. Let's start Let's start with our pick for Wasps player of the year before we go on to the uh, the premiership. And I'll say that when we, when we pick a premiership one... It's a rest of the Premiership, not including Wasps players, basically. Yeah, um, I, I have gone for Jack Willis. Uh, I think he's going to make a, a real, real impact. He'll have a full season fit, and um, well, I say he'll have a full season with Wasps. I think he will be in the Six Nations. I tend to agree with you on all fronts. I also picked Jack Willis. You just saw the difference he made. When he played in the Premiership Rugby Cup game to Wasps defence. Yeah. It's crazy how much better they were with Willis on the field than when they didn't have him on the field in the previous games. He's a monster. He creates turnovers, he gets stuck in, and he allows the rest of the back row to play with some freedom. And I think that's a real, real thing that we're lacking. You know, whether you, you choose to go with Thomas Young, Jack Willis and Nizam Carr as your back three that are, are all quick. They make tackles and they can go for the ball. You know, you might want to put Brad Shields in there and or and and Valano at eight, where you have a more balanced option. Where you've got Shields who does the grunt work, he gets out, he makes his tackles, he links the play very well, he does a lot of unseen work. You've got Willis who again makes he makes great tackles, he gets over the ball, slows the ball down, creates turnovers, and you've got Valano who just seems to be this wrecking ball of a human who carries really well, gets you over the game line. Wasps have got such great options. And you look at Tom Willis as well to come in and get involved there. He's a youngster, but great carrier, great in the loose. It, they're all different players with different skill sets. And that 
really excites me this for this season. Completely agree. Yeah, um, he just makes such a difference to Wasps' defence as well. You you know when he's on the field, and I feel we've said this before when he's he's come back from injury. Um, I think it's a big I think it's a big season. If he stays fit, as I said, I think he's in the Six Nations, mm. um, and that and that includes with Curry and Underhill, who I both rate very highly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like both those guys, but England have got such a depth at, in the back row at the minute. They're yeah. really producing some great back row players. Lewis Ludlam as well. He's I like him a lot at Northampton. I think he's a really good six, and I think he'll be England's six in the Six Nations. Um, yeah. I think England reset a little, will reset a little bit going into this year's Six Nations, and they'll start to build for the next cycle. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hmm. Player of the year for the rest of the Premiership. I'm going to take this one first because I'm on. feeling greedy. Um, I'm I'm going to go with a a position that I don't think has won the award. I'm not sure if Faf de Klerk won it in the last few years or not, but I don't think he did. I'm actually going to go with Cobus Ryanak of Northampton Saints. Shout. I really like Ryanak. I think he's a, an all-round nine who really impacts the game. He scores a lot of tries, which will help him in this award. He's not played an awful lot for South Africa in this World Cup, but he's looked like their best option when he has come off the off the bench and onto the pitch. Um, I think he's a, a really talented operator who does lots of really, really good things. And I think he can have enough of an impact. I think Northampton will be a team that challenges for the top four this year. And I think he's enough of a talisman for that team that he could get that award at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I've also gone for a nine and I've gone for uh, Fafter Clerk. I think if Sale are going to get to the top four, which I think they will, um, he's going to be massively important to them uh, once he's sort of back fully, sort of fully firing with them after having been, once he's finished at the World Cup. Um, just think he's a class act. And uh, yeah, if Sale have the season that a lot of people, me included, think they will, um, I think he's going to be central to it. Yeah, I do wonder if teams have found him out a little bit. And I know Ben Kay has spoken about this a couple of times. Um, you know, I, I just, I think yeah. I, he, he's dipped off a bit in form this calendar year. Fafter Clerk, and I just wonder if the way he plays, teams have kind of worked out how to stop him, or they've been giving him more attention and trying to say, right, we're going to shut you down, beat us another way. And I'm not sure if the teams he's played in, both South Africa and Sale, can do that. Yeah, definitely. But I also think he he might be able to show uh, his his that he's adaptable to the situation. Um, and, and you know, Sale's a tough place to go anyway without seeing him in the... 100%. 100%. Right, on to the, the business end of the episode, shall we say. First of all, let's put a number on where we think Wasps will finish in the table. Uh, I've, I've gone sixth. I am going to say fourth. I'm, I'm an optimist. Um, you might not you might not think that if you listen in February to this podcast, but I am actually an optimist, and I do think that we will have a much better season than, than last season. So I think they'll I think they'll finish fourth. I think they'll get into the top four. Could see them getting bounced in a Premiership semi final again, but there's a lot of youngsters in this team, and you know we have to just keep building keep building this young core. You know, you've got you've got stars here, but they and they hopefully they'll win you enough games to get into the top four. But until you have that core of young English and British players, I think you you just keep going and keep going, and hopefully you get that culture of winning games and expecting to be in the top four every year. And eventually, the young players push through and and win us a title. But I don't think it will be this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Talking of that, who do we think is going to win the Premiership this season? I'm afraid I'm going to be boring and go for them again. I just can't see who's going to beat Saracens in a knockout game. Yeah, 
Yeah, I I do tend to agree with you um, um, on that one. You know, they're the class of the division when it comes to big games like that. And that matters. It really does. I do think losing some of the players they've lost this summer is big. They're, they're kind of going undergoing a little bit of a mini reset themselves. And the big one really is you is losing shock Brits. I think that's that's massive for them. You know, I know he retired sort of halfway through last year, but he was still around the squad. You know, he still he still was involved towards the business end of the season. And I just just wonder if not having him around to to speak to, having someone else is gonna have to step up and lead that team and I just wonder if they've got enough there I'm sure they do there's so many of them in this England team I think if England go on and win the World Cup in the next couple of weeks Saris are doing another double but if England get bounced especially if England get bounced this weekend against Australia you have to wonder how it will affect those Saracens players Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I, I would definitely agree that if, if England, even if England were to lose in the final or, or go close to New Zealand, that's a big boost. If, if the, I agree. If they get bounced out this weekend, which I don't think will happen, it, it could be a tough year for them. But the thing is with, with Saris is they could finish third or fourth and easily go to Sandy Park and win a semi-final. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, they, they did. It might have actually been after the last World Cup that they finished fourth and then went to Northampton, who blitzed the league and won in the semi-final, and then won the final. So I think they'll be hard to stop. Unfortunately, I know it's boring for everybody listening because I feel we say this every year, but I mean, you they, know, they set the standard. Yeah, and I think um, the, these last sort of three categories where we pick. Premiership, Challenge Cup, Champions Cup winners, they're going to be boring. <laughs> because it's the same teams that are that, they're that much further above the rest of the of the teams in this in these competitions that I just you know, you're going to keep picking them to win it year after year. Yeah. Speaking of um European rugby, you know, the time has come to pick our uh, champions and Challenge Cup winners for the year. Rob, take it away. Uh, I, I've got a bit of a French theme with mine. Um, with the final being in Marseille this year, I think uh, I think the Challenge Cup could go to France again. They've uh, they've started to dominate this competition. Actually, I was having a look at this earlier. They since it went to the current format which is 20 teams in each and no team dropping down from the Heineken Cup into the second tier cup, uh, as has happened before. Uh, The French have only not won it once, and that was when Cardiff beat Gloucester uh, a couple of years ago in Bilbao. So with with the final in Marseille, I think uh, think a French team will win it. And I'm actually going to take old friends of Wasps cast, who have uh, have started the, uh, the top 14 quite well with I know obviously a lot of players at the World Cup. Uh, they won the top 14 not that long ago and uh, I think they'll go well in the Challenge Cup. I'm uh, I'm going to be patriotic and keep it this side of the channel. Um, I think there's a number of teams who could come out and win this tournament. Yeah, There's a lot of good French sides, as you say, in there. Um, there's a lot of good teams all throughout the tournament. I think the Scarlets could do thing they they could be dangerous in this competition. Cardiff Blues, who Wasps have got in their group, could be really dangerous. They've got some good good young players. The Dragons again, you know, there's some good young talent in Wales at the minute. I think a Welsh side could go close. Um, I think Wasps could go close. They've got one of the most talented teams in the competition. But I think one team matches up really really well with them. Plays the style of rugby that could dominate this competition. And I think they could really target it, especially if coming to the, the latter half of the year, they're, 
they're not under threat from relegation, but they're going to struggle to get into the top four. And I think that team's Bristol Bears. I, I really think they could go out and win this competition. I think the ownership from the amount that they've invested in this club needs silverware to make this investment worthwhile. And I think this is a competition that they could really target going into this season. And I think if they can't go down, Bristol will know that this gets you into the Champions Cup as well. Exactly. Winning this. Exactly. Um, because I think they could fall. I know I picked them up as a surprise package, but they could well fall short of being in the top six. They're a good side. They went very close to winning in La Rochelle last year in the quarterfinal, which is a bloody hard thing to do. Um, yeah, I think that's a great pick. There isn't a La Rochelle in this team, in this competition really this year. Well, no, because last last year you could tell it was going to be Claremont La Rochelle in the final from a long yeah. way out. Yeah, there isn't. There's Toulon. Toulon's a hard place to go and win, but it's doable. Um, and, and the final's just up the road, so they're going to be taking it very seriously. Yeah, but at the same time, the French sides always take the league the most seriously out of these competitions. Yeah. yeah. Okay, changing pace to the the bigger competition as some people would call it um, the Champions Cup who do we think is going to win the Champions Cup this year I think it's a very wide open year this because I don't th- I think similar to when Wasps made the semi-finals in 2016 after the 2015 World Cup I think the Irish teams could struggle um, obviously just because of the sheer amount of players they lose to the World Cup uh, I've actually I've, I've gone for a French double which is unlike me uh, I think this is the year that Racing end their curse as the bridesmaids in the Champions Cup. Um, it's it, th- th- That incredible stadium is a tough place to go. I don't know how they lost the home quarterfinal to 14-man to lose last year, but they did. Um, uh, they've, they've, got a, they've got a very tough draw, though. Um, if, they can, if they can beat Saracens on the opening weekend of the season, on the opening weekend of the tournament... I think they'll have a real chance of uh, of going all the way. Uh, Saras- Saracens are, are always going to be there thereabouts, and uh, and I think this also could be the year that Exeter uh, tar- target Europe. Stuart Hogg, we've already mentioned him coming in, and and Sandy Sandy Park's starting to sort of become a, a tough place to go in Europe as well. Teams were winning there quite regularly, but. Munster found it tough and they should have won in Limerick last year at the end of the group stage to get through so uh, I've thrown out three but uh, Racing 92 I think are, are the, are the, will be the team to beat this year I mean I also have a French theme um, for my pick I'm going with the two two very hospitable groups of people um, and it's not, not because they were so hospitable that I'm picking them I think Toulouse have the the power in the pack and the the razzle dazzle as certain people say out in the backs as well in Cheslin Colbay to really challenge they're a young team they're getting better all the time their run to the semi-finals last year will do them a huge benefit and I think that that they'll be really dangerous and they'll challenge Another group is um, is La Rochelle. I think you know they got to the the Challenge Cup final last year. They're a good side. They've got a really powerful pack. French sides won't like facing them. I think Irish sides will be out muscled by them. For them, if they can get home quarter final, then they've got a chance of making it to the final. And with the final being in France, then they've got a real shot at winning this tournament. Yeah, it, it it wouldn't surprise me though if, some, if something came from left field this year with with the World Cup being on and, and everything. You know, if it could if be so, an Exeter it, year, yeah, I know what yeah, you mean. You know, yeah. or, or, or someone, someone like yeah, someone like Munster or Ulster put a run together. Mm, mm. Um, I think Leinster will, will feature, but I do wonder if Johnny Sexton, what his kind of future is going to be after this World Cup. It all depends on how Ireland go this weekend. Um, you know, if they can do the unthinkable and knock out the All Blacks, then their their path to a potential World Cup final is on. It's open, and if they're successful in this World Cup, then Johnny Sexton is not playing rugby again. Yeah, uh, mind you, I could I could still I could still see him 
Yeah, I can get if, get getting hit by a Kiwi on Saturday and that being yeah, it. if they lose this weekend, I can see him retiring as well. And then there's a real vacuum there at Leinster. Ross Burns a good player, but he's not Johnny Sexton yet. Okay, we're almost done. We've got one more secret category that I haven't spoken about all day, um, <laughs> and that's not a good sign. Yeah, well, I texted it to you earlier today. Oh, uh, that's yeah. how much that's how much thought we put into this episode, folks. I texted Rob this morning with the categories. Um, <laughs> I uh, too many podcasts at the minute. I'm on. Um, who do we think is going to be in charge of England on the first weekend of the Six Nations in Edinburgh against Scotland? <clears throat> I, this is this is tough because I think an awful lot rests on Saturday. If England lose on Saturday, given the selection call as well, given that arguably England's in four players we put on the bench, I think I think it will be someone else, not Eddie Jones. I mean, I've always said I, he's a, he's a bit of a prick, but I'd love to see Alex Anderson given the England job. So, I, I I agree with you. I actually think I imagine Alex Anderson is probably a really nice bloke. Yeah, but yeah, I've never met him. He just comes across like such a smarmy git on BT, and he can do because Sarries are so fucking good that he can be that smarmy arsehole if he wants to be. You know, he's good at what he does. Sarries are a great team, and he's probably a really nice bloke. It's just the way he co- the way he comes across when he's talking on BT. It really is. I think that would be a real outsider, real shock appointment. But what I do think is that England, uh, uh, the RFU, have balls this up massively in the way they've gone about it because you needed really to have your succession plan in place before the World Cup because someone like Rob Baxter. Rob Baxter is perfect for the England role. He's done so much with so little at times at Sandy Park. He's really built that team and they've grown over a number of years, which is what you need to do with an international setup to be successful at a World Cup. You know, if you're looking to give this job to someone for 8, 12, even, God forbid, 16 years, if they're that good, you know, Rob Baxter's the perfect type of coach to go and, to go and give it to. But... He's not going to leave Exeter halfway through the season to go and coach England. He's not that; they're not that type of people, directors of rugby. So if they'd have got this, got their house in order, known that Eddie Jones was going to leave after this World Cup, brought Baxter in at the end of the Premiership season last, and actually, you know, not had him take the whole summer at Exeter and make himself essentially unavailable for the job they would have timed it much better. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to say Jamie Joseph is England coach <laughs> the first weekend yeah. of the Six Nations next year. Because yeah. is, is there a better is there a coach doing a better job in world rugby at the minute? No, no, that's a great show. I'm not sure there is. You know, whatever happens to Joseph after this World Cup, I think when Dai eventually steps down in 2023, um, after the 2023 World Cup, as he said to do, that's who I'd want Wasps to go after, hundred yeah. percent. Especially if he gets a big job. If Jamie Joseph gets a big job on the back of Japan's performance at this World Cup, it doesn't quite work out for him. Then go go after him because he's a fantastic coach. He plays a fantastic brand of rugby. I'm not sure it's the RFU style to pick someone like him. Uh, I'm not sure it's the style of rugby they'd like to play, but. God, England have got the players to do it, and it would absolutely light up Twickenham. You want to sell £150 tickets at Twickenham? Getting them running in 40 points and playing the style of rugby that Japan play. Yeah. And as bad, yeah, as, as, bad as that would be for the game, they could end up being able to do it. Yeah. I, as I said, I think, I think Eddie Jones' future will be decided. I'll tell you what, just quickly on the England-Australia game, both coaches have named teams that scream to me, well, if we lose this, I know I'm losing my job. Yeah, but I like the pick that Czech has made at 13 because no one's ever seen this kid play, really. No. 
Eddie Jones probably hasn't got... He probably has a plan of how to deal with him, but he might not do. And if the kid's good enough and teams haven't seen a lot of him, it's a great choice. But Australia have played their card, really. England's is a bit more of a tactical selection. You know, England have gone back to their first-choice team. And I believe that if Henry Slade had been fit at the start of the summer, it's the team that England would have played in their warm-up games and, and into the World Cup. And I think that Jones knows that and he's comfortable with that. Farrell plays his best rugby at 10. You know, an on an informed Farrell playing his best rugby is the best 10 England have got. So I agree with Jones's selection. You know, Farrell could walk back to 10 from 12 and refine his form. He really could. And, you know, Tuolangi's a fantastic player. He combats the the danger of Samu Karevi, who is a fabulous, fabulous rugby player. A real sort of rugby player crush of mine at the minute. I love watching him play. When 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 Australia won Bledisloe 1 against New Zealand, Samu Karevi was the best player on the park that day. He tore New Zealand to bits. And he could do the same to England if they're not careful this weekend. Anyway... We we have toppled an hour here. Um, they do go long these podcasts, which is why we uh, we've sort of stretched them out to record them less frequently because it gives us more to talk about and it means that we're not repeating ourselves over and over again. Um, but I am going to repeat something now that I repeat at the end of every episode. So make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at the Wasp Report. Insert gag about how people would have found us if they didn't know we were on Twitter here. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy your Saturday. I'm going to be drunk by half past eight in the morning. So um, I hope that you will choose to join me in that fact. Bring it home, England. Let's show them footballers how to actually win a World Cup again. And uh, yeah, we will have another chat in a couple of weeks. Um, probably around the start of the Champions Cup. So we can do a proper preview of that competition. And Wasps chances in the Challenge Cup. Thank you all very much for listening. I've been Alex. He's been Rob. Laters. <laughs>